Screen West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. I'm your host, Paul Fox, and joining me from his secret location here in the Fragrant Harbor is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hello, everybody. Hello. I mean, hello, everybody. Uh, hi, Paul. Are you, how are you doing? How are you doing? Are you sick? Are you, are you, no, are you I was doing my, my, I was practicing my Dean Yip impression for oh. the Simple Life Review. Oh, yeah. yeah. Carry over from, from our last episode. Right? Last week. Because after, after Dean Yip robs a bank, she now does a podcast about mm. movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you, what, 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 what's her next, what's next for her? A- any guesses? Uh, no, I think she. Uh, there have been a lot of uh, questions about whether she is really coming back to do movies, but uh, I think she said no. This is just just um, a project that she wanted to do, and mm-hmm. she has no plans for like a straight up. I had to use the street language, a straight up comeback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, no chance of her doing like my wife is ninety eight. No, I mean, thank, I mean, good thing. I mean, finally, <laughs> it's time. That an actress picks her roles, but the last time that a Hong Kong actress decided to pick her role, that was Maggie Chan, and she hasn't been in a Hong Kong movie since. Jeez, I mean, she did five minutes of Hot Summer Days, but that's it. Yeah. Um, well, this is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood, and lots of stuff in between. Speaking of film, what do we have coming up on today's episode, Kevin? Uh, for East Green, we'll be talking about finally uh, talking about A Simple Life by Anne Hui. Uh, for West Green, we'll be talking about. John Carter. All right. And we'll also have a uh, uh, special video segment coming up a little bit later, too. But before we do any of that, why don't we get in and talk about some news? All right. Uh, Not a lot of major news this week, but a couple things to talk about. First, the top films of the 80s list over at uh, lovehkfilm.com is in the process of being released. And we say in the process because... Typically, when they do these poll reader lists, uh, they don't release them all at once. And so I think as of today, um, the 101 through 60 have been released, if, yes. I, if, I, have my, uh, if I have my numbers correct. Um, thoughts on the list, Kevin? Um, honestly, the thing is, I was very hesitant about uh, participating in this poll because um, I was born in the middle of the 80s, 84. Oh, you're such a baby. So, Okay. Uh, no. So. So. I mean, the thing is, I. I. I'm not. 80s film is not my forte, so to speak. Um. So. So it was uh, very tough for me to actually pick. So I instead of picking 20 because I don't want just to pick the 20 80s films I've seen, I picked 10. Um. So a lot of these uh, lower lower lists, uh, lower numbers, I have not heard of mm-hmm. <laughs> um but actually there's some 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 good stuff i mean love massacre uh petri tam's um um french new wave uh romance slash slasher movie uh starring really, bridget lynn right starring bridget lynn yes uh that was definitely a nut 
nutsy movie that I saw during a new wave class. And uh, yeah, it was very cool that it's on that list. Um, there were some surprises. I think because I, I, I talked to um, Kozo Ross because he's just next to me at work. Um, and we talk about the picks and um, he's quite surprised. I mean, on the on the front page, that's Trey Hawk's auto on Ron Spice. And he's very surprised that or a little disappointed that it got it, it came in at number 102, which means it didn't make the top 100. Yeah. Um, of course, I, I, if we can review some of our picks for the list, um, a lot of my picks haven't been here yet, uh, haven't shown up yet. Uh, but as Ross said last time, I think I'm the only person who chose uh, Alan Fong's um, father and son. So I don't, I'm not expecting it to show up on the list. Uh, it's just, and it's a shame because uh, Father and Son is the first. I think it's the first Hong Kong Film Awards uh, Best Picture winner. Mm-hmm. So um, it, just for its historical. Historical value, it should be seen by a lot more people, but it's not readily available, uh, which is a big problem. Uh, but yeah, I mean, most of my picks haven't shown up yet. You know, popular stuff, you know, like A Better Tomorrow, uh, The Killer, John Woo, Charon Fat, Trey Hark, uh, lots of Trey Hark movies. Um, my list, my in- initial list included four Trey Hark movies and to take two of them out. Mm. And all four of those picks haven't shown up yet. So I ex- I'm expecting them to be quite high on the rankings uh how about you paul i mean have 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 your picks shown up yet a couple of them um in the first tier which is like um technically 100 through 101 through 80 i guess because there are a couple ties um i had a few of mine show up uh let's see uh what did i have the romancing star um probably still one of my favorite wong jing films of all time Mm -hmm. uh was actually in my top 10 and that one showed up at number 93. Yeah. Uh, the Inspectors Wear Skirts, uh, another big favorite of mine. Uh, uh, anytime you have women doing kung fu, um, I'm all about that. And they have some pretty good uh, action scenes and, and some fight scenes in, in that. Um, came in at uh, number 98. And just out of my list, because I, I, I did a, uh, a bunch of sorting to try and break down in my top 20, um, my number twenty-one, which actually didn't get sent in, but it was it was close into the into my top twenty. Is it's a mad mad world, and that came in at uh, eighty-six. So uh, I've had a couple in so far, and the next tier uh, up is um, uh, I guess seventy-nine through sixty. Um, or no, no, wait a minute. Uh, 80, uh, 80, 80 through 60, sorry, 80 through 60. 80 through 60. Yes. Um, and I haven't had any of mine show up in, in that next tier. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's some really interesting picks, movies I've never heard of in some cases or seen on the shelves in, oh, yes. in my time oh, yeah. being here. Um, I'm really going to have to sort of head out to Shum Shui Po to the street market. You know, they've got some shops that have, uh, you know, used uh, DVDs and used VCDs. Uh, from ancient times, and you can sometimes find some some stuff that's hard to find there. Whether it'll play or not, play or not is, is is a different story because there are no refunds really with those kind of stalls. But I need to get out there one of these weekends and start trying to find some of this stuff because uh, some of it looks really really interesting. Yeah, um, Kenneth in the chat room says that he's quite happy that Man on the Brink shows up showed up on the list, and uh, I I shared that sentiment because it's a film that's. Um, that is actually it. It wasn't the first film in the undercover cop genre, but it is the film that literally got it going. Yeah, you know, what I mean, it is the first, literally the first uh, un- popular undercover cop film. So, um, and it's very, very, very rare. Um, I think the hundred must see uh, movies uh, program done by the Film Archive they showed the film, 
And actually, it was a very rare occasion, apparently, because the film isn't readily available. I saw it again. I saw a new wave class, and I loved that movie. And I'm sad that I didn't get to. I didn't make it to the screen to watch it again. But yes, it's definitely a very important film, and I am glad that it showed up. Uh, I am also glad that you know, my 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 Petra Tam choices haven't shown up yet because uh, um, some stuff. I think I picked a uh, Dangerous Encounter first kind. Uh, again, not readily available, and also Nomad. Um, but Nomad's a fairly, you know, easily it's yeah. easy to find movie. So uh, I'm glad that it's going to be up a little higher. Uh, People's Hero. Did you watch People's Hero, Paul? Uh, uh, don't think I've seen that one. It's actually quite quite a good film, and I'm 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 glad that a, a more uh, char- character oriented drama like that, rather than you know a martial arts movie. Even though there it does have a share of martial arts movies uh, on that list, I am glad that and ended up on. Such as something as high as number sixty-two. Yeah. It's also got its share of Wong Jing movies already. Uh, Crazy yeah. Companies Two made it in at number ninety-five, actually beating out uh, uh, a couple films which I would have thought uh, would have been rated higher. Um, mm. Actually, some of your picks. Um, you were talking about it's a Mad Mad World and um, what else? Um, Romancing Star. You yeah, mentioned Romancing those Star. Those are those are some picks by by more. Um, how do I say it? more? You know, like. Uh, uh, Overseas, overseas Chinese, and actually more uh, Hong Kong people rather than rather than the bulk of the site's readers. Uh, so he's actually Ross mentioned that yeah, those are the Hong Konger picks because of the sentiment, the 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 significance of those films in Hong Kong society and the effect they have on Hong Kong people. And those are those are essentially represent Hong Kong people's views. Those, yeah. those films end up on the list. Yeah. Um, I was also happy to see at number eighty nine Marshall Club, uh, directed by Lau yep. Kalong, although. I voted. I, I put a Lau Kar Lung film in my top twenty, but it wasn't this one. I still think it's one of his his better ones. Um, but I was kind of surprised. I kind of figured it would get further down the list because it is ranked in the top one hundred uh, list that was put out by the Hong Kong Film Archive. Mm. And uh, so I thought, well, that's a, that's a kind of a sure bet that that one's going in there. So I wanted to show a little bit of affection for another Lau Kar Lung movie from the 80s that's kind of close to my heart. It hasn't shown up. I don't know if it will show up, but if it does, yeah. uh, I'll talk a little bit about that one later. Yeah, and uh, Marshall Club will be showing in next month's uh, 100 Must See Hong Kong film program, yeah. I think April or May. So yeah, I'm definitely going to... And I need to catch that that little-known film called Drunken Master, which oh, I have not yeah. seen ever. So, so I, have I you will seen be... two? Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. that's the one I've seen. I haven't seen one. Yeah. Uh, but one, yeah, one's uh, okay. Really? It's, so is it worth? I'm sure it's worth watching. Well, it's 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 <laughs> early, it's early Jackie Chan. I mean, it's uh, it's got that typical sort of '70s style uh, plot to the, the 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 martial arts film, you know, with the martial arts master and the villain and those kinds of things. Um, I think I, I enjoy two better because it's got more of the more of that uh, later sensibility. Mm. Um, to to some of the action and some of the direction mm. and some of the storytelling. Uh, any big surprises or, or things to point out in the in the uh, bottom part of the list, the the second tier that's out now, the um, uh, eighty I will, through sixty. I, personally, I, I don't see, I, see. I don't know many of these movies. I don't know them enough to 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 express any surprise. But I will um, express some surprise on Kozo's behalf that Michelle Yeoh. Uh, Michelle Yeoh's films uh, actually ranked quite low. Mm. He was quite surprised they ranked low because he we he thought that there would be a lot of more fans of Michelle Yeoh's 80s stuff, especially you know stuff like Inspector Wear Skirts and Royal Warriors, and they ended up 
being at number 90, 90 something or 80 something. Um, yeah, he thought that there would be a, there would be a little, they would rank a little higher, but it seems that Michelle Yeoh, uh, Silverhawk has finally showed its effects. Perhaps. <laughs> or the touch, right? Yes, the touch. Um, well, she does have, uh, yes, madam, uh, number 66. Ah, so yes. that's getting a little bit closer uh, down yeah. the list. Yes. Um, let's see, Iceman Cometh at 63. and we I have, have that on DVD, but I will, I will catch it. being remade, right, by Donnie. Yeah, Donnie. Um, look, let's look in the chat room. There's a, there's a quite a discussion going on about, about their own choices. Uh, Kenneth... Uh, so that he voted for cops and robbers, um, and and what? Let's see, uh, so I'm just looking. He said he's glad to see um, Man on the Brink and some Lam Chai Choi love, mm-hmm. Lam Nai Hoi love. Um, uh, the Imp, he said, he's quite quite um, glad to see. Um, which actually, I, I've never seen this movie. I mean, the Imp is is quite easy to find. Yeah, the May DVD that you can still yeah. see that on the shelves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, He's he's missing yeah Paul uh and Kenneth said he voted for Inferno Affairs you know that's totally going on top yeah Inferno Affairs best movie ever <laughs> yeah wins every yes. decade right yeah yeah I I voted for that I I gave that number zero point five because it's it so good it travels backwards in time yes yes <laughs> it is so good that it travels I give it zero point five just give it twenty two points instead of you know. Well, speaking yep. of Andy Lau and Dini Yip, uh, they also made the list in The yes. Truth at number 77. Uh, that is essentially the ultimate Andy Lau, Dini Yip pair, yeah. I think. Um, that was the beginning. That was, I think, when, when because um, because of movies, those that, those series of movies, uh, Dini Yip is known as Andy Lau's uh, godmother because yeah. she, they're, they're, they're uh, even though she's only about maybe 14 years, 15 years older than, than he is, um, yeah, that, that, that relationship, that father mother, I mean that son mother son relationship in that film is so strong and so popular that that was uh, the film that solidified their team, their teaming. Uh, so it, it's good that people. That, I mean that's also that in that place. That's also because of the Hong Kong Hong Konger or Hong Kong audience sensibility rather than um, a foreigner or the bulk of uh, Love Shake Films readership uh, actually knowing that film. But still, I, I am very glad that it's on the list. All right. Uh, any other thoughts you want to throw in before we kind of move on? No, I think uh, we can leave the, uh, the rest of the discussion for next week by yeah. the time when, when Kozo releases more of the list. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to be thinning down the numbers as the countdown goes along. So we, we might be talking about this for another two weeks or so. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I need a discussion to go. Drag it out, Kozo. Just drag it out. You know, um, it's about, all about milking, milking it for all it's worth. Yeah. We all know that. All right. Uh... So not a bunch of other news, but I did want to throw a shout out to um, Kenneth and the guys over at uh, the podcast on fire. I was listening to their latest uh, episode of the uh, vampire season five, and they were talking about the ultimate vampire and encounter of the spooky kind two. Um, and I haven't seen ultimate vampire, but I've been dying to, to, to see it. And uh, I think I, I did a search today and I found that it's on the YouTube uh, subtitled, so uh, I might be spending some time on YouTube later. Not that I advocate advocate that, right? Because that's that's bad. Um, but I haven't seen it on the shelves here in Hong Kong, and I and uh, I don't know if it's readily available still or not. The picture they have on the site is the Tai Seng version. I don't know if I'd want to go get a Tai Seng version. No, no one ever should ever have to. <laughs> um, but he was talking about he was talking about the film, and they were going through some of the plot, and he was talking about one of the aspects where they're doing a uh, 
a Chinese opera performance, and there's an it's it's empty. There's nobody sitting there. And he was mentioning that they were you know were doing this for the ghosts, and they actually still do this. Um, this is still something that's done. I've actually because I'm I'm kind of keen on uh, Chinese opera, especially when they do the outside performances. Not so, not so much when they go to the cultural center and stuff, but I like the traditional troops that come up and set up in, uh, you know, in the, sort of the basketball courts and things. They'll build the big bamboo stage and, and they'll do shows out there. And um, I like to go and see those on occasion. And I've passed by a couple where, they've, where they're doing those performances, um, kind of like a dress rehearsal, but nobody is, you're not supposed to go there and, and attend. And um, I remember walking by and I wanted to go and take some pictures. My wife was like, nope, 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 can't do it. Uh, cause this is the, uh, you know, this is the performance for the, the deceased. So we just, you know, keep walking on. Um, so that is still a practice that some traditional troops do. I, if you're, you know, if you're seeing the shows, like I said, in the regular theaters, I don't think they do that. I could be wrong, but they're traditional. Have you been to the Sunbeam, Paul? Uh, yes, once. Yeah. Um, but I do know that the traditional troops who, who do the performances outside still do that. And, um, just to throw in a sort of a side recommendation too, if you're interested to see more, uh, more about that, you can check out, uh, Eason and Eason Chan, Joe Young movie called Demi Haunted, mm. which is all about, uh, opera performers. And they actually have a scene in there, which is, uh, is sort of, uh, playing up that same idea of the ghost performance, um, I, I find that stuff really, really interesting. So I uh, just wanted to throw a shout out. Go check out Podcast on Fire. Uh, episode 115, Vampire Season 5, is a really interesting uh, interesting episode, if you, especially if you like sort of supernatural stuff. All right, shall we move on and talk about some films? Sure. It's fate with fate. All right, so up first for screen we have A Simple Life. Long in coming, much hyped, much touted film from director Anne Hoy, starring Andy Lau, the king of Hong Kong, and <laughs> Miss Dini Yep, the, the queen mother of Hong Kong, I guess now. Uh, well, Kevin, do you want to sort of take us through the plot of Simple Life? Yeah, sure thing. Um, Simple Life is the latest film from director Anne Hoy. Uh, her last film, I believe, was Night in Fog, wasn't it, Paul? Is that the one with Simon Yam? Yeah, the one with Simon yeah. Yam, Zhang Yingchu, yeah. about Tin Shui. That was her previous film. Um, but this Enhui going back kind of to your near realist roots. Um, the film is, uh, the script is written by Roger Lee, uh, an actual um, <clears throat> a veteran of the film industry. He's a financial controller as well as a producer on a several films. Uh, this is based on his story. Uh, so it's, it is based on a true story uh, about. Um, a man named Roger, who happens to be a financial controller on films, played by Andy Lau, uh, and his relationship with um, um, Tao, Sister Tao, I guess that's the that's the name, Sister Tao, um, a, a woman who has been working in his family uh, for sixty years. She has she is one of those um, what we call amas. Is that is that what what yes. they're called? Yeah. Amas who um, essentially joined the family, rich families when they're very young. They're sold off into the family and they work there as as their servant. And for generations and generations, this is becoming more and more rare, of course, as um, domestic workers from Southeast Asia um, coming to Hong Kong, they became a kind of a cheaper option, I suppose. Um, so these these um, 
this whole generation of Amas um, are becoming or kind of sharing the same fate as uh, Sister Tao. Um, so after 60 years in uh, Roger's family, um, she suffers uh, a stroke. And, of course, she can no longer work. So Roger, um, kind of out of his kindness of his heart, decides to uh, pay for her um, um, nursing home fees and sends her into a nursing home because she, she's retiring. She doesn't want to be a burden on the family. Um, and there she um, recovers from the stroke and, of course, meets the characters in the, the nursing home and, and until essentially the end of her life. Uh, it's a very simple story. Uh, not much story. Um, it is kind of more about the relationship between Roger and 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 Sister Tao, and of course her her own her relationship with the people in the home. Um, <clears throat> and because it's based on a true story, and it is based on this real person, um, there's a lot of uh, cameo by um, film industry bigwigs, uh, ranging from you know um, actually. You have real actors like like Jim Chim and and Chamento and Anthony Wong playing characters in the film. Meanwhile, you also have real life directors like Trey Hark and Samu Hung, and also of course the head of Potty Bona, who is the investor of the film, uh, Yu Dong, uh, uh, and Andrew Lau, and things like that. They're, they're giving, uh, doing cameos as themselves in the film, meeting the Roger character at premieres and things like that. Um, but in the end, it's really all about Amas and and. More so, even more so about how we treat the elderly, how Hong Kongers treat the elderly, because the the of the aging population here in Hong Kong, um, a lot of the elderly they there many of them are moving to nursing homes because their children can't take care of them, especially in such society. So actually, the the so called um uh, isolated elder uh, isolated um elders. It's a huge social problem here in Hong Kong. You see part of that in the way we are uh, elderly who are. So quote unquote neglected by their children because their children are too busy taking care of themselves and can't attend to their parents or their older generation of people. Um, my grandmother is one of those people. My grandmother um, actually had a, had an accident a few years ago and she can't walk, so she's been in one of these homes uh, since two thousand and five. And coming from someone who goes to these homes, uh, a home like that every week, I go there every week. Um, a lot of the actual setting of Sister Tao's home is very true. Even though my grandma's home is a little better, uh, they they're a lot, a little more, a lot more nurses attending to the to the uh, residents. Um, the setting rings very very true. Um, so so it kind of hit home for me the film. But um, the good thing is that Hui doesn't really and Hui doesn't go for the big emotional moments. I mean, I could have come out of this movie bawling. You you had me you had me hooked already just with all that. Uh, the, the care facility stuff like that because it, it, I see this every on a weekly basis. So the fact that she didn't go for the emotional moments and I ended up did not crying at all, even though I was touched. Um, it is it, kind of a, a true, how to say it? It's a proof of, uh, about Enhui's neo realism style. Everything is portrayed as it is. Um, she doesn't tell you how to feel. She just shows you what's going on, and she takes a very straightforward approach. And, you know, it, she doesn't try to make you cry. Even though there is a score, um, it, it doesn't really drive the emotions. The film is a very flat film. Uh, so don't go in thinking this big emotional tearjerker. Um, it's not a commercial film per se. Uh, so there's, there, you, you do need to um, think about that before, you know, tone your expectations down a bit. Uh, but 
the, the film is of course full of great performances. Dinya disappears, literally disappears into her character. The makeup of uh, the film um, makes Dinya, who has been doing the promotion in a full-on makeup and very nice, nice uh, clothing, but watching the film, she literally disappears into the role of this ordinary woman who has given her entire life essentially to this family, um, and you know becomes this woman who withers slow, away slowly in this care facility. Um, it's a very great performance. All the awards, uh, of course, is well-deserved on her part. Um, Andy Lau is okay because it's not really his movie. He is the he is one of two main characters, but it, 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 it's not really his movie, so it's kind of understated, even though um, Andy Lau doesn't avoid the Andy Lau walk. You know, when he walks, he has this, Andy Lau walk and you're watching it's like that's Andy Lau walking you know that's so um well his walk has changed though he used to walk differently in the in the movies from the 80s and 90s he had a yeah he had a uh like a cool swagger and now it's kind of just diminished down into sort of a matured gait but it's great now he's got this um he's got this this stage swagger that in the opening scene, uh, you see him pat. He, there, he's in his home, and he's, he's walking from his room out to the table. And when he turns from from the corner, and he's walking to the table, you see that he he great traces of that swagger. And you're like, hey, that's that's Andy Lau. But uh, actually, performance wise, his character isn't a very emotional character. Um, of course, he could be breaking down in in tears, and you know, going for the big overstated um, uh, monologues, but he doesn't do anything like that. So it's a very understated performance. In fact, um, I think his his best actor award that he picked up at the Golden Horse is more for the film more than really his performance per se. But, you know, he's good in the film. Um, like I was saying, Anhui, uh, neorealism, very much like The Way We Are, a very flat film, even though um, she has a uh, different cinematographer this time, Yulik Wai, um, who is a director in his own right? Um, the 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 he kind of took that realism a little far. Um, he shoots a lot of things with a moving camera, and I thought it was a little. It, it really distracted me at times. I I kind of prefer uh, Charlie Lamb's cinematography in the way we are very flat, but at the same time it captures what needed to be captured and doesn't go over the, the go over the top of the the camera movement of the realism stuff. So I can't prefer that. Um, the story does drag a bit in the middle. It runs 118 minutes, and the film doesn't really have much of a story. It's a very simple, like the title suggests, it's a very simple story. You know, um, Ta- Sister Tao gets a stroke. She moves into the uh, to this care facility, and then she... And it's not a spoiler if I say this, because in the beginning of the film, it tells you in the opening titles, she passes away. So very, um, it's more about the situations that these characters uh, face. Uh and and the relationship between these two characters, uh, it's more about those things than plot. So it does drag in in the middle, but I thought it was you know it's perfectly okay because you're so caught up in this in this world that is is created. Um, I still think the way we are is a better film, um, but you know it's definitely one of the year's best for sure. At the end of the year, this will be coming back. But yeah, uh, my rating is uh, see it. For me, once again, this proves how good Anne Hoy can be. Um, despite the hype, you know, I was kind of put off by the hype uh, for a long time. And But getting in and watching this, uh, I felt that both the leads were in fine form. I think Andy did a great job. I mean, because it's such a simple role, you know, it's not, it's not uh, you know, a big sweeping role like he's been doing it in recent years. 
I think there's some finesse in his simplicity and his approach to the character. I mean, there are just some nice moments. I mean, this is a character who's a, a, a whiz at financial planning, but there are things he doesn't know how to do. And that comes across very subtly because these things have been taken care of by his ama for so long. So it's not that he's he he can't do that. It's just that he's never had to take these tasks on. And um, I think that there's just a subtlety that uh, the direction brings to, to to both the characters. That's really really nice. Actually, I did want more of that to show you know the the transition or the um, how how. His character isn't used to having yeah. to take care of things by himself, but I guess that's too much drama or too much, you know. One of the things obvious. that I kind of expected was that this film was going to preach about, you know, problems with the elderly care system or, you know, problems with, uh, you know, the way that these people are treated or things like that. And it doesn't really do that. It simply gives you, you know, sort of a, a face value of this is the way things work and Sometimes mm -hmm. they work okay, and sometimes they don't, and that's just how the system is. It's not condemning the system. It's not saying it's a great system, but it's just saying, you know, this is one person's story sort of going through this process. Um, and it along the way, I think there's a lot of subtext that's really, really interesting to see and some subplots that are very, very enjoyable. I really enjoyed... The Roger Lung, his his character's not Lee, it's Lung. They changed the last name. Right. But I really enjoyed his interactions, you know, the, the, like when he goes to the meetings with uh, some of the directors and, and some of the things that happen. And there's sort of a running gag about appearance and the way he dresses and gets mistaken for, you know, different roles. And he's actually sort of this high-powered, uh, you know, financial accountant slash producer. You know, and he, and he rubs shoulders with, with, you know, bigwigs in the industry, and yet people constantly mistake him for something else because he's just a very sort of plain individual. Um, and, I, I, and I've got to wonder, did which of those events really happened? I mean, because mm. this, is, this is based on reality, so I'm wondering, knowing what I know about Anne Hoy and, and having seen her a few times, it makes me wonder if some of that happened to her, too. You know, oh, I'm sure. I mean, she she's, takes like NPR. She's a very yeah. She's she's woman. a very down to earth, very plain person. You know, and if you don't know who she is, you know, you might mistake her for something completely different. Um, there are lots of cameos. I think that's all. It's all really well done. Um, Dave was saying in the chat room, he's saying Jim Chim, I'm out. But actually, Jim Chim's really great here. He's just got a small role, and he's used very well. He's not doing his typical over the top shtick. Um, it's just a very straight-laced, straightforward, you know, performance as a friend of, of the main character, along with some other people. There, there are a number of other cameos, too many to count. Uh, people I haven't seen in ages, uh, in, in a couple cases, show up suddenly. And it's just really, really well done in terms of how these people are used. Um, the subplots, um, as I mentioned, quite enjoyable. Um, the, the thing that really strikes me as an interesting contrast is that the you know the way that this woman is viewed and treated by you know his character and the family is very very interesting when you contrast it with the current domestic helper issues that are going on in Hong Kong the thing is let, let, let's face it um, the film would never be made if it's about Filipino made yeah 
if it's not Dini Yip, if it's about some no-name Southeast Asian actress uh, and Andy Lau or, you know, a younger actor, you know, it's about that. It's not like that. Those relationships don't happen. They, I'm sure they happen. There's so many of these uh, Southeastern uh, domestic workers who are essentially raising these children, this whole generation of kids, that I wouldn't be surprised if there is, is yeah, such but a story. See, at the same time, I don't know, because it's like the reason why you don't see these traditional amas anymore is because they can hire Filipinos for half the price and mm -hmm. they don't have to take care of them the way that this family chooses to, you know, take care of this person who's been with them for generations, mm -hmm. right? So there's an actual dis a cultural disconnect that's happened, even though, you know, there's still a need, especially in Hong Kong, for people to fill this role. It's been outsourced. And it's yeah. been cheapened. And, and along with that comes sort of a cheapening of the relationship. So I do agree. I, I don't yeah. think you'd see uh, a film like this with um, a Filipino, you know, Filipino in that role and treated in, in the way that they're treated. And I think that's also why the film chose to focus on the relationship between, you know, the, uh, the younger generation and the elderly instead of about uh, a relationship between a servant and, and, their, and their employer. I think that's one thing. Um, another thing that I want to, Two more things I want to point out. I'm not sure if, if you were... I don't want to push the, the rail way too off our tracks. But um, when I go to my, my facility, the facility I go to every week, uh, and this is something I felt was missing in the film, was that actually these Southeast domest uh, domestic workers also are hired in the elderly homes to take care of some yes. of these old people. Yeah. Um, I was very surprised to see them not integrate into the story. Yeah. Um, because some of these these people, they they are like a family. I mean, these it's like it's like their own little community in in the same floor because they all know each other and they speak the same language. So the domestic workers, they become kind of their a, a minor a, a small community and they play mahjong with the old people and and things like that. I think that would be very interesting to see integrate into the the film. And I guessing either either that didn't appear in their research or it's something that they they didn't want to kind of derail the film. Yeah. Um, and also, I'm not sure if you mentioned this as well, but I thought the film was surprisingly funny. There are a lot of, like you were saying about the the whole running gag, yeah, about uh, Andy Lau being dressed plainly and then getting mistaken for people. Um, yeah, I thought the film was surprisingly funny, um, and and I think that's really one of the big points about the film. I think it's because of that that subtle sense of comedy that helped the film not become, you know, this really big emotional tearjerker. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's it's definitely a, a film. To, it's a, it's a must see for this year. It's definitely a see it, and I say that having been kind of down on the film going into it because of all the hype. You know, I, I'm usually a lot of hype turns me off, but I've got to give credit where credit's due. It's an it's an excellent film. Um, as you mentioned, similar in many ways to the way we are. I think that this film is probably. I would say I like it as much as the way we are. I think the way we are is not as approachable by mm. an international audience. I think yeah. this one is a little bit more because it's dealing with you know tragedy and and and, and not deep level tragedy. Like you said, it's not a it's not a tearjerker per se. Um, it's more about like these segments of life that are kind of strung together. But I I think that this is a little bit more approachable on an international level than the way we are, which is so very local in what it's trying to tell in terms of the relationships and, and, True. and things in that film. True, but equally brilliant. Oh, yes, say. absolutely. Um, you know, I, if, she, I, if she makes more films like this, I'd be pleased because it's a good reflection on Hong Kong. East Green, West Green.
So, Wes Green, we're yep. here to talk about John Carter. Um, what can we say about John Carter? Well, it's an old story. It's actually based from the works of Edgar Rice Burroughs, and uh, the this film is not actually titled according to uh, uh, the, the book series, but is actually the name of the main protagonist. And there's been some, I don't know what you would say, some... Uh, points of contention raised about the naming of the film and also about the way the film has been kind of marketed to the public. Um, what was the original name? Uh, I think the book, the first book was A Princess of Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, and John Carter of Mars, or was it Was it John Carter of Mars? I think original was John, I mean, the, the film's original title was John Carter of Mars. Yeah, but the first book is, uh, is I, I'm pretty sure it's called Princess of Mars. Okay. Um, but it deals with the, the John Carter character. Basically, this tells the story of um, the, the, the central character, John Carter, who's a uh, veteran of the uh, Civil War, and he's kind of a, become a, a treasure hunter of sorts and, and living, living on his own. He doesn't want anything to do with people or the government. And through unusual circumstance, he gets transported to Mars. <sighs> <laughs> and what do you know? Um, How does that happen? There's life on Mars, uh, you know, as, as David Bowie likes to sing. Um, there, there, there are actually several different species on, on the planet, and they're somewhat technologically advanced. And John Carter finds himself with a little bit of a sort of a Superman complex because, uh, because of his, you know, human physique and strength and because of the way that physics and gravity work on Mars, he's actually able to leap tall buildings with a single bound um of course he's not invincible doesn't get his powers from the sun but he's a little bit of a superhero and in many ways this is kind of an origin story um at first he's a fish out of water he doesn't know what he's doing he doesn't really even know how to move properly in this environment he very quickly um encounters a group of four-armed green-skinned aliens um and uh, he's kind of taken prisoner by them initially, but he proves his mettle and he finds um, uh, that there are other beings on this planet that are somewhat more human-esque, which is always convenient, right? Um, And he falls uh, for a young lady who's a princess of Mars uh, named Sola, or no, not Sola, sorry, uh, Deja Thoris, yeah, Princess of Helium. Man, how do you remember these names? Helium is one. Helium is one of the one of the cities uh, that's being contested. So there's basically two human factions and this green four armed green alien faction, and so he kind of moves back and forth between factions. He's basically trying to find his way home, and he gets caught up in this civil war uh, and the struggle. And there's romance and there's action, and it's a big space epic. I mean, what else can you ask for? Um, instead of using laser guns, they use swords. So, exciting? Yeah, kind of. Um, if you like space epics, um, you probably like this, but it doesn't feel like anything new, and that's been one of the critical points uh, of John Carter. I don't really think that's John Carter's fault, though, because, you know, the, the, the series, the book series is very, very old. Um, I'm, I have to look up when the, uh, when the first book was written. Uh, 1917, right, uh, was when the story was originally written. So you've had a lot of people borrowing from people like Edgar Rice Burroughs and, of course, H.G. Wells and others over the years. Um, So 
Well, you, we can criticize the, books, right? the film sure that. What's that? You've read the books, right? Uh, I read the first book a long time ago. A long okay. time. Ago. I don't really remember much about okay. it. Okay. My dad. How, my, how it, uh... my dad was a huge fan. He's, he he read um, all of the Tarzan books because Ed, Edgar Rice Burroughs also wrote Tarzan. He read uh, the John Carter books, and I you know it. It just because it feels like nothing new, I don't think it's going to do well. I think people are saying, "Oh, it's it's like Avatar, it's like Star Wars," but actually, it predates all of those by quite a bit. Right. And people were borrowing elements from stories like this uh, to create the things that we, you know, the franchises that we've come to know and love. Yeah. But the film still works on many levels. I mean, it's popcorn filler before a big summer hit. Um, you know, because it's sort of released in this between Christmas and summer period, you typically can't expect a lot of great things. Uh, from films in this period, but other than that, um, it ha it you know it connects the dots like it's supposed to. Um, it's got the action, it's got the romance, it's got cheesy dialogue, it's got really good CG effects, and I think that's probably one of the problems I had with it. There was too much human blabber and not enough forearmed alien butt kicking. Yes, um, I yes. wanted to. See, I, I was more interested in seeing in seeing the Tarks, the aliens. And those characters, I found those characters far more interesting than John Carter um, or the princess uh, or any of the any of the things they were going through. And it is kind of rushed, even though it's a long film, it's about two and a half hours. It's kind of rushed. I mean, it's like at one moment they're having a battle, next moment wedding. What? Where does that come from? You know. Um, but yeah, it's you know it, it it also has a sort of a sub story. Edgar Rice Burroughs actually gets pulled into it, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you're never supposed to do, right? Have the author write himself into the story. I, th I think that's something I learned from, uh, was it was it a Nicolas Cage movie where he plays as, he plays twins. Yeah, uh, I think one of the things they said, you're never supposed to write yourself into your movie or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's good for, if you like sci-fi. Um, so I think, you, you know, it, it's definitely worth, definitely worth a matinee for sure. Um, but there are big problems, as I mentioned, with the promotion of the film that some people are saying are going to hurt it in the long run. This film is directed by uh, the director, Andrew Stanton, who's worked with a, a lot of animation. This is his first live action. And some people are thinking that he really dropped the ball, um, especially when it came to the way they wanted to market this. They didn't call it John Carter of Mars because they felt that, um, as I read, that sci-fi was not going to sell well to certain groups, right? Um, particularly female demographics that's the case why not just call it a princess of mars you know you got the princess aspect there that'll pull in the girls right um, the problem is the story isn't about the princess of mars right i mean that's well the thing. it might it, mislead people even more it is that, it that is way. and it isn't i mean she's a yeah. pretty strong butt-kicking character um <laughs> and given more screen time she would have been very easy easy to sort of get behind um as a central character but you're right it is about john carter and so the way that they've sold this i mean i don't know it's if you think about things like harry potter you know it's like harry potter and the and the sorcerer's stone harry potter and 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 the goblet of fire why couldn't they just have gone that route you know and john to, carter and the princess of mars yeah, yeah exactly um but they didn't and so now they're saying that the film's not doing anywhere near as well as they had needed to 350 million dollars i think um and they made less than a tenth of that in their first weekend um so they're not doing too well i guess they'll eventually make it back through international sales and, and those kinds of things but 
Um, it's kind of sad to see it fail because I would like to see more of these. Um, I would like to see the, the, the series continue being a, you know, a fan of sci-fi. It's comparable to things like Avatar. Uh, it's probably not going to knock people's socks off like Avatar did because, again, you know, Avatar got there first. The 3D uh, thing, e even though this was written first, the 3D thing, totally not needed, but the film does look super great in IMAX. Some of the Martian vistas, for example, on a huge screen look really good. I don't know if I would really guarantee that it would be a worthwhile experience for the price, though. Um, again, you've really got to like sci-fi. What are you breathing heavy into the mic? Oh, I'm sorry. It's, I got to move it up. Okay. Yeah. There we go. I was going to say, is, is that your, your mysterious stranger or what? <laughs> um, <clears throat> Who knows what I do when yeah. I record. So um, I'd say if you're a sci-fi fan, it's a see it, although you might want to matinee it. Um, all others, I'd TV it. Kevin, what did you think? Okay. Um, yeah, actually, in the notes, I wrote, Space adventure, man in alien world, same old, same old. But yeah, of course, then you brought up that is the fact that this formula very much is brought from Igarai's work. So I feel like a, a, a bit dumb if I use that line. Um, but yeah, I guess then I should use uh, it's an old fashioned sci fi adventure, uh, mm. which is true. It is um, very traditional. You know, you have alien creatures, a man in a strange world, and all that stuff. Um, but it does nothing new to the genre. Um, which I guess you can really expect because it is such is such a uh, a classic piece of work. Um, of course, good special effects. Um, the the alien creature design things that they spent two hundred and fifty million dollars on this movie. I mean, it's gotta the special effects has to look good. Um, but more about the stuff that that other stuff that I like. Uh, I really like that the John Carter superpower thing is is due to the. Um, scientific reasons it's not because he has any real superpowers because of the the gravity on mars and because he's from earth and things like that uh the jumping thing i thought was very amusing and i liked how that worked um and i i hate to work it was i hate to say this phrase but i guess it brings the film a bit of reality which, <laughs> yeah <laughs> which <laughs> which is really not i guess uh, something we should expect but um well it course, is interesting to point out too that i mean the film was written or the story was written long before we went to the moon. Right. You know, so we, we really didn't have a concept of, you know, we didn't have a Hubble telescope. We didn't have all these things that we have today. We didn't really have a concept of, of what life was like on the planet. So there was still a lot of speculation. Was there water? Was there an atmosphere? What were all those, you know, the canals and things that could be barely seen in telescopes of the time? So he was kind of writing from sort of like H.G. Wells from this perspective of they weren't really sure what was there. So, you know, whereas H.G. Wells said, yeah, there was life there and it was able to come here and invade, he kind of went in the opposite direction. Well, is it true that if we if we end up on Mars, we could jump and, and because the, they have a lighter gravity? Is I, that stuff in? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I. I. Yeah. I don't not, think not he. Not because I thought you'd be there. I don't think he could. I don't think he could do it without a spacesuit. I'm pretty sure of that one. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, I. I. I hope it didn't seem like I was asking because I thought you. You've been there yeah. or, or something. Like yeah. That. Let me get my medallion and I'll take a quick trip over to Barasum. <laughs> but yeah. Um. Um. But I thought I. I kind of like that. You know, the quote-unquote reality into the story made made things more believable. Um. Of course, there's a cute Mars dog. They never explain why there's a Mars dog. <laughs> um, but actually, I, I had three guys sit on my right, and these are like middle-aged men. 
And like they were so stupid that one, I'm sorry to use that word, it sounds really condescending, but one kept standing up and moving seats to see how well the 3D works at other seats. <laughs> and, and his buddy way on the right actually watched the entire movie without glasses. Wow. <laughs> Maybe he had contacts. No, I've heard he did because at the end of the movie, the guy's like, "How can you watch this entire movie without glasses?" <laughs> and then, and then, and then they—the only point they really reacted was when the damn dog showed up, and they're like, "Ha ha! Wow, he's like a dog!" Ha ha ha! Mm. <laughs> and that's that apparently really amused them. So I mean, that that shows you every <laughs> every sci-fi movie you have to have a cute alien dog. Um, and you were talking about the human conflicts. Um, that that you didn't really like. The, the too much human conflicts, and I agree. I, I thought there were too. It, it feels like it's from a different movie. Um, the whole thing about setting the entire you know five minute, ten minute prologue on that conflict instead of you know about John Carter really kind of threw me off because it really is too much for one movie. Um, I like more stuff where it's about John Carter and the alien race um, instead of you know him getting in between these three sides, and it's way too much story for the hundred. Because with credits, it's about hundred. Without credits, it's about hundred twenty minutes or so. Um, it really is a little bit much, and it kind of dragged a little bit because there's so much stuff going on that you just kind of like, oh my god, they're still going. Oh my god, they're still going. Um, but it is very entertaining. It's a fairly painless film, and this from someone who who doesn't. How can I say? I, I'm not a huge, huge fan of the genre. So, so, so I'm not, I'm not, you know, I can't really look on it fondly as, 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 uh, as Paul or anything. But, but as, as a non sci fi fan or as a sci fi non fan, um, it's, it's a fairly painless movie. It's entertaining. Um, it does bring nothing new to the genre. So that actually might hurt his chance at the box office because people are still kind of on an avatar high. What was the last big sci fi movie like this anyway? Do you remember? Mm. I mean, this last year maybe there must have been something like this. Maybe the last kind of Disney adventure that takes place in yellow-looking places, you know, like like Prince of Persia or something, or Wrath of the Titans. <laughs> you know, people start starting to like, oh, it's a big special effects movie in the desert, <laughs> and that's all they, they yeah. see. Yeah. That's all they see. So they, I think they may be kind of you know alien world and special effects and monsters with Wrath of the Titans coming. People maybe it just doesn't seem like this one has a special selling point. Um, especially doesn't since it doesn't have you know super duper technology since it takes place during the Civil War period. Um, so it, I I am I am also a little worried about its chances at the box office. Not that the film doesn't deserve to be to be to be successful. I think it's a entertaining film, and you know if if something like Clash of the Titans can make enough money to 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 earn a sequel, I don't see why not John Carter. Yeah, that's um, a good point. Yeah, um, 3D useless. I'm sorry, it's useless. Yeah, I don't need it. I good thing I have a discount, but I don't need it. Give me back a choice of 2D. Here in Hong Kong, we had I think one cinema showed a 2D version, and that's in the in the deluxe deluxe uh, one of those deluxe palace theater where the tickets cost double, even triple a regular free uh, double the 3D price hmm. 2D. So that makes no sense. I want my choice of watching 2D movies. I'm just, I want it back. Yeah. Um, we had that choice for a little bit and then they took it, you know, it's like the cinemas give it and they take it away. And it well, yeah, they're not going to give up that profit. Yeah, forget it. No way. I want, but I want it back. I want my choice 2D back. Um, so I did not enjoy Especially it. now that they don't give us glasses. They make you buy the glasses or bring your own, right? I, I mean, buy there's... that damn clip-on for 20 whatever because I wear glasses now. So I had to, bring, I had to buy that damn clip-on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't, and and you know actually one of our people in my movie group in our movie group can't watch 3D, so that 
limits, you know, for like stuff like uh, flying swords, he couldn't watch flying swords or Dragon Gate because he cannot watch 3D. I want my 2D back. Uh, but that's 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 the end of my rant. Um, it's okay. I I was yeah, like you said, sci-fi fans should see it. Others, uh, yeah, TV it. I think that's a good rating. All right, John Carter. We don't know if we'll see you again. Uh, can we say he's not our favorite Martian? <laughs> yeah. All right, shall we move on and talk about some video? The East is blue. Wait, what? All right, so I've got a video pick this week, not a Blu-ray. Um, not sure if I'd want it on a Blu-ray, but I do have it on standard DVD from Celestial Pictures, and that is the Michael Wong film, Whatever You Want, starring Anita Yen. Um, this basically tells the story of a young woman, uh, played by Anita Yun, who, working for a, an advertising agency, ends up being sent out uh, to find some uh, Arabian jewelry, because uh, her team is tasked with doing this uh, Arabian-style commercial for beer. And in the process, she gets these three jewels, and... Turns out that these pearls are magic, and when she accidentally rubs them, she summons Michael Wong. I mean, what could be better, right? Did you say she 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 rubs balls and then Michael Wong comes? Yeah, I'm she sorry. rubs <laughs> balls and Michael Wong shows up, and this is what he says. Fire. Fire. Yeah, that was that was his attempt at a uh, some kind of Hindi or uh, I don't know Arabian or Arabic or. Remember, he he is a musician. Yeah, uh, yes. yes, he is a music musician, and, he, and he's also the genie, as he lets us know. I'm the, the genie inside the pearls, like the Lantern of Aladdin. Yes, he's the <laughs> genie inside the pearls. Um, so. Yeah, basically, it's the uh, he he is going to grant Anita Yun's character three wishes. Um, the first wish is kind of uh, funny and humorous. So the second wish, she wants to get her half sister, um, her half sister played by oh, what's her name? Girl from Samsara. Uh, uh Christy Cho. Yeah, yeah, uh, played by Christy Cho and. Uh, but she doesn't know that Anita's her sister in the film uh, because her father has eight wives and Anita is the daughter of the eighth wife who's sort of the secret wife. Um, but she ends up working at her sister's company and so she decides that since her sister seems to be sort of too busy for love and actually has, has a girlfriend uh, initially is kind of, kind of strange, but um, she decides she's going to use her second wish to wish that Michael Wong would, uh, you know become her lover, her boyfriend or something. But as she does this, as she gets closer to Michael Wong's genie character called Bo, um, she starts to develop feelings for him. So what will happen with the third wish? How will she use it? Um, all is revealed in this Wong Jing classic. Um, and you know it's a classic because it was released by Celestial Pictures, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, whatever you want, still available. You can get it. It's you, you know look at yes yes Asia, um, you can look at uh, also they've got some secondhand or some um, 
third-party vendors have it on Amazon.com as well, both the VCD and the DVD. I would recommend uh, the DVD because the DVD also comes with some special features, trailer, um, some other release uh, trailers as well, color stills, the original poster uh, as a still, some production notes, and um, a couple uh, biographies or filmographies of some of the people. Um, so, decent disc, kind of a funny movie. It's particularly funny if you are a film goer because it makes fun of films. Um, it pokes fun of Wong Jing himself and a little bit of fun at Wong Kar Wai in a couple scenes. Um, and it also pokes fun of speed. Now, I guess if in, in the context of today, if like a young person were to watch it and never have seen speed, a lot of the gags might fall short. Um, Law Ka Ying is also in it for a few areas with some cameos and he's got some funny stuff in there as well. Um, Jordan Chan also, who was kind of partnered quite a few times with uh, Anita, Anita Yun, uh, during the nineties films. Um, he's got uh, some pretty funny stuff in there as well. So that's whatever you want. And it's classic, classic Michael Wong. All right. Have you seen More it? Michael Wong sound. No, no, I haven't seen this. So I was, I was quite surprised about the, the Michael Wong singing. Yeah. <laughs> more, uh, more, more. Just stay where you are. Yeah, stay where okay? you are. <laughs> so <clears throat> that's especially for you, Matthew, who's no longer in the chat room. <laughs> um. So yeah, you know, maybe we'll have to do this as a, uh, as a commentary, because it's that good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But you got to turn up the audio when, when Michael Wong does his thing. You got to turn it up because we, we got to leave that, you know, uninterrupted. Yes. There's yeah. no, no doubt. Yeah. Um, the funny thing is, is that he, through most of the film, he does Cantonese and it's sync sound. Um, they don't dub him, which is, uh, was an interesting choice. Made so, been a mistake <laughs> at the time. I, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, not, I, not I, I like it when he gives the old college try. <laughs> um, but that's just me. You're listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. Got a couple comments this week. I uh, got a very nice email from a person going by the, I won't give the full name, but uh, Kurau. K-U-R-A-U, um, said, hi. Hi there, just a message to say hi, and I love the show, big fan of you and Kevin. A big, uh, love the show, big fan. You and Kevin are a great team, and I hope the show lasts for a very long, a very, very long time. Uh, so Voice thanks. Yeah, that's, a, that's yeah. A really nice to, to have that feedback, and uh, yeah. really appreciate it. Thanks so um, And, uh, we, you know, drop, stop by the website. We'd be happy to hear from you there, too. Drop by the live chat and join us, us nerds. Yeah, yeah. film nerds. Yes. Um, I'm back on episode 100. We didn't get any comments on the last episode yet, but back on episode 100, Gary Lau wrote in. He said, well, speak of the devil, there is a sequel to My Wife is 18 planned for production right now. Hard to believe it's been 10 years since My Wife is 18 came out. Yeah, it kind of is. It's only been um, 10 years since that movie. My God. Where, what, are the, what are they going to call the sequel? My Wife is 28? 
Um, so yeah, that's a good question. I mean, no, the the uh, Chinese title refers to the husband. So I, I have a feeling that it might be uh, because what in, in the movie what Egan Chan plays plays twenty eight or something or plays thirty. I think in the original movie. Yeah, in the original movie. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, like thirty. He's like a he's so. like a PhD student. Student. You know? <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, but yeah, uh, you haven't, so, you haven't so seen the original. I, I saw the original, which is why I said, yeah, it's only been ten years. Yeah. since I didn't like the original. Yeah, but yeah, uh, um, no, I think it could be. Uh, it will probably be my husband is forty. My 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 fro. <laughs> my my guess out there because the, the film is about you know romantic rivals and but it's still actually, it's yeah. still the two of them right it's, it's yeah it's still two of them this is a 10th anniversary film so it is about two of them married now hmm. um so well actually actually really married and stuff you know fake married you know like 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 charlene and and, and ronald chang was um but yeah this is this real mayor and and they it's about their relationship and yeah this could be more about a uh, midlife crisis i'm hmm. surprised yeah um, and maybe a an age gap between husband and wife yeah, it could be. Um, but it's it's again, it's about romantic rivals, and I'm not sure if there's any any word of casting yet. Um, but it is going to be about their relationship entering shaky crowns, and and possibly, you know, maybe a Lambo or two. I hope. Mm. Never know. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, you can't go wrong yes. with uh, Eakin and and Charlene. Do you really think her marriage to Ronald was a was fake? No, no. I mean, it was, it was, it was. I, I, you know, I talk with some of my students, and we talk about her relationship with uh, William Chan, and they tend to think that's fake. That you never know. Yeah. I mean, um, that could be Yi Ji stunt. You never know. I mean, two, of course, two artists of the same same agency, um, uh, dating. I mean, that's that. Of course, throws a lot of conspiracy theories, things like that. Could be a PR move to save Charlene's image. Who knows? I mean, it, 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 there are no surprises when it comes to what what the Hong Kong film, Hong Kong entertainment industry can do. Yeah, um, I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yes. Um, let's see. Guys in the chat room are talking about uh, "I'm Your Birthday Cake." <laughs> yeah, let's that's, not. That's one. That's one. That's one. I need to get back and watch. Uh, Matthew says, not related, but should I buy Game of Thrones? No HBO. Yes, Game of Thrones yes. is, is excellent. Uh, yes. Have you seen it, Kevin? I have the Blu-ray. Yeah. Yes, I saw the entire the, the season on HBO on it, demand. It, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, an, it's an excellent, excellent, well-produced series. Um, it's, made, it's like we were talking about before. It's shows like this and, and The Walking Dead that are really making movies start to look bad because of the writing and the quality and the production value that's going into them. Um, I mean, now I, you have you have you, know, you have like Dustin Hoffman and Michael Mann doing HBO now. Yeah, I mean, forget going yeah. to the movies. I mean, HBO is where it's at. Um, I wanted to get the Blu-ray, but the Blu-ray doesn't have Chinese subtitles. The DVD yeah. does, but I'm, I'm kind of torn. I mean, I really wanted to see it on Blu-ray, but I want to watch it with my wife too, and, and she prefers it when the show has, especially if it's a fantasy or science fiction, because sometimes you know her English is very good, but sometimes she gets lost when they start doing the. The techno speaker, they start speaking in an older language. She's, she has a hard time keeping up. If you um, want um, um, temporary gratification, I can lend you my Blu-ray, Paul. Well, I don't know. Because like the, 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 the Region 1 DVD has Chinese subs, but you said there was a local one coming. There <laughs> is one. If not, I can help you buy the... Wait, I shouldn't... I, I can help you get the Korean one. I think Korean one has Chinese subs. Does it? We have that, yes. So if, if But is that just the DVD, so right? That's only DVD. I was waiting <laughs> yes, for I think it. Because I, I got the walking, the local version of The Walking Dead. And I think I'll just wait for the local version so I can watch that with her and maybe pick up, you know, the Blu-ray for myself um, later. 
just kind of you know it's I just it's just weird. It's like is it that hard if you've already done the translation if you've got it there on the DVD? Why not just add it in? It's another selling point for the Blu-ray, right? It just seems weird that they wouldn't include it. And, and this is not the I first guess, time I've encountered this. You know, I've encountered this a couple times with Blu-ray for some reason. This could be because not not many. I mean, when we talk about subscribing subscriber number of subscribers in in Asia, it doesn't you know match up or uh, it's all about you know because producing extra blu-rays is not a cheap thing because that box is very heavy it's a very I'm, I'm holding the box right now it is a very heavy box and it is a quite heavy box and it's a very nice packaging and to 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 have to mass produce this um you know it, it's a very tough thing but uh, yeah i i am very happy to get on blue but yeah i was i was also waiting for an asian blue blu-ray version as well yeah. but yeah disappointed but um yeah, it, it's it's a very nice show. Uh, definitely get it. Actually, my my friend, uh, my coworkers, um, some of them actually had read the book and they're worried about season two um, because they said, "See, the book, the book uh, that is based on, is not very good." So they well, little- yeah, I I I I know people who've read all of the books and they say there's some good stuff in season two. Um, okay. There's some stuff that's gonna be hard. They're gonna be interested to see how they do it. Um, yeah. In terms of like bigger budget and bigger, bigger effects and stuff. So and I think it better be good because starting I don't in, I want to say a couple of weeks, right? Uh, in, in, in America in a couple of weeks, but yeah. here I, I'm going to wait. I think HBO Asia is going to finish showing luck first, mm. uh, which I'm catching, uh, on, on, in the uncut form on, on HBO on demand. I'm only mm. up to episode two. And I think that one has 10 episodes. Yeah. I think so. It's going to, you're going to have to wait till they would have to run that first. I think maybe, mm. Um, but yeah, I, I hope it's good because I hate to buy one season of a show on Blu-ray and then, you know, then not liking it enough yeah. to buy the rest of it. Or, I, that, that's yeah. kind of where I'm that's at with point. the Walking Dead series right now. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love the first season, second season. Ah, it's not really doing it for me. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, that's too bad. I mean, that shows how good Frank Darabont is, I guess. Yeah. Um, all right. I think that's good for our HBO. Speaking of HBO, um, watching, uh, Game Change. Um, it's a, a political movie about Sarah Palin, John McCain, um, when they were running in the 2008 election. Really good so far. I'm like halfway through it. Um, I think it's Annette Benning playing Sarah Palin and... Uh, it's Julianne Moore? Or, or Julianne Moore, sorry. And uh, Ed Harris as John McCain. Woody Harrelson as the campaign advisor. Really, really good. I mean... If you um, are somebody who liked, um, you know, Ides of March, uh, this will be this will be right up your alley. Uh, it's interesting though because they've got a lot of actual campaign footage. Uh, they've got like actually they've got like Obama speeches with Obama, you know, just footage of Obama giving speeches. But then they'll jump to the Republican uh, campaign and the Republican National Convention, and you see these actors react reenacting that that instead of actually john mccain and sarah palin uh so it's kind of weird um but so far i'm about like i said halfway through it it's really really good so you might like it oh i'm looking forward to it definitely all right i think that's gonna do it uh that's a show yay 102 down the tube um if you'd like to be a part of the show of course you can always uh get in touch with us here uh, get in touch through iTunes. You can leave us some comments there. Uh, follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash concast for the show. 
uh, twitter.com slash foxlore if you're interested in some of the stuff that I talk about. Um, mostly these days, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, raging against Apple because I wasn't able to get the uh, new iPad that I wanted. Um, <laughs> you can also follow Mr. Ma over at con- uh, twitter.com slash thegoldenrock, and he has lots more interesting things to talk about than I do, so I strongly urge that you follow him. Get him above 500. 550. Yeah. So you did you break the 500? I broke the 500 a long time ago. It just wouldn't get past 550. Yeah. So so help 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 a guy out. Help you know help send me some bots. Upcoming film critic and filmmaker out. Uh, Send some bots, some sexy bots, uh, (laughs) his way so that he can get above the 550 mark. Um, You can also stop by our website at. That's uh, www.concast.com. We'd love for you to stop by there and get involved in some of the conversations that go on in the comments section. Um, Kevin, do you have any other stuff going on? Any, any blog writing that you'll be doing in the coming week or two? Yeah, I'm going to be doing a, a blog entry later on. I don't have any reviews coming up. Um, Writing-wise, let me think. No, I, I, I am free to work I am actually working on a freelance project that's quite quite urgent and then after that is the Hong Kong National Film Festival. So yeah, follow I mean Twitter is really the main place mm. to 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 follow what I'm what I'm doing over the next couple of weeks. All right. And of course you can always catch us on Stitcher. You can listen to us on your iPhone, your Android phone, your Blackberry, and your WebOS phones. Stitcher is smart radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at Stitcher.com. Stitcher Smart Radio, it's the smarter way to listen to radio, and we thank them for their support. Um, also big thanks, shout out to Rob Gubbers of Schnauzer Studios over there in Europe for our theme, uh, Ross Chen of lovehkfilm.com for keeping us out and about and watching films and doing the very interesting polls that he does, which always brings up new and interesting films that I need to get out and buy, making my wallet that much lighter. Of course, Kevin for sticking with me for 102 episodes and you, the listeners for being out there and just being part of the show yeah, you guys make this all worthwhile. Uh, next show, episode 102. I have no idea what's coming out. So what are we... 103. Oh, 103. Sorry. Yeah, this is 102. I, I got that really me- messed up today. When it get to that three-digit yeah. numbers, I mean, it's hard to... Yeah. yeah. So uh, what are we going to be t- talking about next episode? Do we have anything on the horizon? Um, there are at least two local films coming. There's the new Wan Jing film, Marrying Mr. Perfect, and also the, the Roy Chow, um, Christine Toe thriller, Nightfall. Um, sadly, I will not be catching Nightfall on movie night, and I don't know when I'll be catching that film. But I think we should be catching the Wan Jing film this weekend. Uh, West, but actually, there is a Japanese movie I'm very excited about. It's Komoteki. Uh, Love Strikes is called. Oh, yeah, I saw the po- yes. poster for that. That looks interesting. It, it's, it's great. As I watched the TV show. So um, this is kind of a remake slash continuation essentially reboots the entire series so it's gonna be very interesting seeing that formula condense a new a new version of the formula because it's about one guy who suddenly gets becomes the center of attention for four women and and it's 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 a the, the series is definitely a lot of fun i've heard the movie um uh, it's very faithful to that style so i'm looking forward to it mm. uh and hopefully we can talk about that um West Screen, what what do we have for West Screen? We have uh there was something I was looking. Uh Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. Mm-hmm. I guess we could talk about that. Or um what else? What else? Yeah, I think that's the big West Screen release. Alright. Yeah. So all of that and much more on our next show. Until then, this is East Screen, West Screen from Mars, wishing you good viewing, and we will see you next week. See you next week, everybody. Uh-huh.
Street. Way.